Welcome to Free Your Children on WXRQ 1460 AM Christian Radio. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and my mission is to share the truth and love about education. There's a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children, and I hope this ministry equips you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Thank you to Safe Storage for sponsoring tonight's show. If you have storage needs and you are in the Middle Tennessee area, Columbia, Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, you can find Safe Storage at safestoragetn.com and they will take care of all of your storage needs. If you are interested in sponsoring for your children, you can reach me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com and I would be happy to send you a sponsorship package. You can find me on Facebook at freeyourchildren.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also find me on the Borough Pulse, that's B-O-R-O-P-U-L-S-E.com where I am a monthly contributor. I have an author page there and you can read all the articles that I have penned today about education. Well, in Tennessee, we have a lot going on. Our governor has declared a special legislative session that is set to convene in just a few short weeks. The topic of that particular session is going to be red flag laws that everyone's talking about, mental health, public safety, There's a lot going on with this. For Your Children is watching it closely. We're going to be combing through legislation to make sure that these mental health initiatives that are coming down the pike do not have nefarious agendas buried deep into that legislation. So we will keep you posted on that. I'm very excited about our guest tonight, and I want to tell you a little bit about him. His name is Dr. Pat Huff. He served in public schools in Texas from 1973 to 2007. He retired after 34 years in the profession as a teacher, assistant principal, and principal at the middle school and high school level. During those years, he became acutely aware of the immense amount of time devoted to standardized testing. By the time of his retirement, Virtually all academic decisions were built around strategies devoted to testing. Taking place also at this time was the beginning of the phenomenon of failing schools. Schools were beginning to fail due to outcomes of their students on the standardized test. Due to working in the system, Dr. Huff recognized what was taking schools to failure. It was the accountability system and the way it was written to control teachers, principals, and entire school districts. Upon retirement, Dr. Huff went back to school to receive his Ph.D., writing his dissertation on the subjugation of public schools to the federal government. His dissertation was then converted into a book that deals with the unrealistic no-child-left-behind mandates, the federalization of the entire public school system across America, and the phenomenon of school failure and why it is occurring. The title of his book is The Takeover of Public Education in America, The Agenda to Control Information and Knowledge Through the Accountability System. Dr. Huff's book deals with the mechanism used to drive schools toward failure and provides excellent testimony from those who have seen the end game of No Child Left Behind School Takeover. Welcome, Dr. Huff. It's a pleasure to have you with us tonight. Tiffany, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. It's The pleasure is all mine. Tell us, you have a background in education. We ju- I just read about that from your bio. What changes have you seen in education over the years? Wow. 
<laughs> right you out know, of the gate, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think a lot of people who don't have children in school right now envision education, public education, is how it was when they were in school. Uh-huh. Nothing could be further from, from that. Right. It's changed immensely. Now, public education, I guess you could make the you could make the um, statement that it's it's always been about a level of control of information. Uh-huh. It, I don't think it's ever was ever intended to be an open book of truth right. and clarity for for students to learn. The gradual capture, though, of education is something that I think everyone needs to learn about and know about because it is a nefarious agenda. And if you have grandchildren, if you're if you're older and you, your children have gone through public schools and you have grandchildren or maybe even great-grandchildren, your decision to put them in public schools, well, that may not be your decision. It may, it's always the parents' decision, but it's something that needs to be discussed because there are things in place that can damage a child's psychic. They are, uh, like, there's much indoctrination now, much manipulation that's taking place, and, and things that are gone into and, and allowed to be taught that a parent would, they would raise their eyebrows over. So it, it really deserves to be, be looked at and evaluated if public schools are for you. And that's, I think, the crux of everything is that one of the main, th- okay, let's go back to the question at hand. I, I tend to, to uh, embellish a little bit. That's so, okay. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could go on and on. But the, the main thing that has changed is that the teacher is no longer autonomous in her classroom. Right. That is, uh, that's a central change that has taken place that has allowed the federal government to come in and dictate what will be taught and when it will be taught. And and nothing else will be taught other than that, because we're going to evaluate you through a standardized assessment somewhere in the end of the school year mm-hmm. for everybody. But we're going to evaluate on how well you taught those points, uh, those essential elements that we gave you to teach. Mm-hmm. Rate you as a teacher, and we're going to rate the school and the district according to how well you did. So much is made of drill and kill, teaching to the test, terms of that nature that you've probably heard that are very evident, very evident in the classroom. And so the ability of a teacher to to go beyond and to expand with their knowledge of the information, the, the whether or not, say you're teaching English, to be able to go beyond the curriculum items that have been developed and be able to uh, to give the wealth of information and knowledge that you have as a teacher that's that's been taken away. Right. And, and the, the, the students are being cheated because of that. Agreed. I'm glad you brought that up. You said when you were leading into the answer to this question and you spoke about grandparents, great-grandparents, I think that's a very valid point that you made. And a lot of people may think, well, I don't have any children in the school system right now, so why should I be concerned? What would you say to that? Yeah, well, I would say that the the critical point there is that the children are the next generation of our leaders. Absolutely. And what they learn, the values that they get are going to guide the country. Mm -hmm. And we don't know where these kids are going to end up, right? Right. I mean, they they go they go everywhere. Right, exactly. And yeah. uh, 
Some will go into government, some will go into medicine, some will go into the legal uh, professions. Some will be policemen, some will be teachers. I mean, cover the gamut. Some will be uh, tradesmen. But according to their values that they get while they're growing up, will will guide their decisions that they make. And, you know, we have to be very concerned if we're giving them values that are not consistent with our republic. Exactly. And our, our republic has to stand. And uh, there are definite threats to the republic now. Agreed. Tell our listeners, what's the real purpose of these assessments that schools are just being bombarded with? Because there's assessments in everything now. There are mental health assessments. There are assessments, you know, based on what the kids are supposed to be learning in the curriculum. What are they doing with all this information that they're gathering from these assessments? Well, (laughs) that's a loaded question, I know. (laughs) <laughs> the, the data, the data that's being accumulated because all the kids are using computers, type, a tablet, right, uh, a book, maybe even their phone, right. Uh, all of that data is being collected and shared, and, and so we don't, you know, the, the ages of protection of data, forget it. It's right. There are other people that I know that you probably have interviewed that are experts in this particular area. Uh, Alice Linehan, Lynn Davenport, tremendous knowledge of the data game. Right. Uh, But from my standpoint, what I do is I I try to stick with the accountability system. And Uh so that revolves around the assessment that is giving, that is given uh, to the kids once a year. Now it's going to be more than that now. Uh, Right. I'm sure Tennessee is getting into this as well. Yes. Uh, And it's going to be given on the Chromebook and everything that that kid puts into that Chromebook is going to be data. Mm-hmm. It's going to be shared. So, okay, let's talk about assessments. Now, they are. this is different than a test. Right. Right? So we, we, we use these terms interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm guilty of that as well. Assessment is over a long period of time. So, and, and in, in the case of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. over the span of the school year, what they have learned. Right. And that that is the assessment of how well the kid has taken to the information and has been able to retain it and also of the teacher and how they have taught it. So that's the assessment. Okay, How that differs from a test. A test is uh, over a much smaller period of time, a unit test. You know, think of it in those terms or a book, uh, what the child has learned and gleaned from reading the book. That would be a test not to be confused with the assessment. So uh, an assessment carries much more weight mm-hmm. than just a test. All right. So I, I drifted there for just a minute. So the purpose of <laughs> the purpose of that is control. Yes. It's control. It's what it is, plain and simple. You know, it used to be, Tiffany, I use this example when I give presentations. But when I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to divulge that. That's all right. I'll be 50 in just a few days. Okay. Well, happy birthday coming <laughs> Thank up. You. You're, you're crossing the threshold, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, trying to think back, did you take a standardized test? when yes. you were- Back when I was in elementary school, basic skills tests had come on to the, the scene, and those were what you were talking about 
testing. You know, you cover a topic and then have like four questions, I believe, in, in whatever subject that you were being tested on. Those were the tests. Then at the end of the year, we would take the, I don't remember what it was called then, but it was the assessment over all the material that you were supposed to have mastered for that particular school year. And I can remember being drilled on the material that we were going to be, you know, have to take the standardized test on at the end of the year. The teachers talked to the test and they always panicked. You know, they would make, you know, big thing at the end of the school year, make sure you have plenty of sleep, make sure you've been fed breakfast the next morning because the teachers knew that their career was based around the performance of the students on that end of the year assessment. So, so you've not, never known anything but that. Correct. Mm-hmm. There was a time when we didn't have that. Wow. <laughs> That's unfathomable in this day and age. <laughs> it is. Uh, so after we had the report of a nation at risk, mm-hmm. which was in around 82, 83, mm-hmm. Reagan, uh, beginning of Reagan's time in office, the nation became acutely aware. And, and I think this was a setup. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think this was the event that uh, gave them the permission from the public mm-hmm. to begin changing the education system. Right. So prior to this, it was the student's responsibility to get their homework done, to study, to listen, pay attention, uh, contribute. And it was their responsibility to earn the grade in that particular class. How things shifted was that it became the teacher's responsibility to make sure that you learn the material. And so it put the onus of of, uh, the need to guarantee to the best of their ability that they had done their job and that this was justified by the fact that everybody pays taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be the teachers should be held accountable for that taxation by uh, producing a good product. Well, what we found was over the years is that these little kiddos are not widgets on a conveyor belt, and it's very difficult to make sure that everybody does what they should do. And so the teacher became responsible instead of the child be, being responsible. And that made a huge difference, tremendous difference in uh, what, you know, kids are kids and they're going to get away with what they think they can get away with. Right. Once, once they catch on to the fact that, that the teacher is going to give you another opportunity to bring that grade up, then they're going to count on that. And they may not study very well for the first go around because they know they're going to get a second go around and maybe even a third go around. Right. Until they get that grade up to where it will assure that when it comes time to take the, the big assessment, the big test at the end of the year, they'll do better. Right. So uh, that's a big part of the shift that took place. It began with a, a nation at risk report and then it drifted. Of course, we know that during Jimmy Carter's administration, he, he, We've got the Department of Education. Um, mm-hmm. Reagan said he'd get rid of it. He didn't. And we've had it ever since. Right. Uh, so that gives that gives the federal government the ability to inject. And as the years go by, they're injecting more and more into right. where we have now a virtual control over the edge. Now, people say, well, I thought... Uh, in the latest bill that they gave control back to the states. Mm-hmm. And well, that was a, 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 uh, a charade. Mm-hmm. It, it, it 
it was nothing of the kind. And that's part of what I go into in my book. Right. Well, you, we hear a lot about UNESCO and education. What does that really mean? How is UNESCO really involved in education, Dr. Huff? They're involved very much in in the control and uh, manipulation of the, not only the curriculum, but the values, beliefs, attitudes, feelings that are now being taught through social emotional learning. Right. It all came down from UNESCO. Mm-hmm. Our commissioner made it, uh, Commissioner Morath. I don't know if you've heard about him. Yes. Uh, he's a real piece of work. And he made it sound like in 2016 or 17 that this was all his idea mm-hmm. uh, to teach the soft skills that he caused, caused them. And, uh, you know, it, it was just prepping, prepping the Congress, prepping the people for the fact that, that parents are not doing their job in character education. And so we need to take that over. Well, where that originated was with UNESCO. That's not just happening all over America. It's happening all over the world. Right. So, it really is a global agenda, a, a nationwide agenda here in the United States and globally, correct? Correct. That's correct. It, it is um, so, uh, something that... I think is going to lead us towards uh, a, a social credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, the social emotional learning, you know, all of the all of the corporations now are making sure that the corporate, the people that control these things, the government, that corporations are earning their ESG points, mm-hmm. environmental, social, governance points, and part of that is the social emotional well being of that particular employee. Or in our case, the student. Right. So this is all. This is a bigger plan than most people understand. Exactly. Yes. Well, I think that you're laying it all out there, and I really do hope people will pick up your book. Tell us about your book. Why did you write it? Tell us a brief synopsis of of what what you were hoping to accomplish when you wrote that book. Well, it goes back to uh, when I went made their decision to go back to school at the age of 59. Mm-hmm. This old boy was was a little bit behind. But even though I've been an educator for my entire career, it's different when you get on the other side. Yes. You become a student again. Mm-hmm. You have to pick a topic when you go back and, and work on your doctorate. You have to pick a topic right. to write. This is where people get stuck. Uh-huh. They can't figure out what am I going to write my dissertation about? Right. And I was keenly aware of some of the things that had happened in No Child Left Behind because I was working in that environment and during that time. And it became more burdensome to to deal with the mandates. It, it became all-consuming. And as I began to notice that as, as the years went by, it became more difficult. Mm-hmm. To, to reach that acceptable point in your rating. And so that's what I decided to write about was the, the unreasonable mandates of No Child Left Behind. Now, the most unreasonable mandate was adequate yearly progress that was written into No Child Left Behind. And if, this is the most important thing about my book that I would really like for people to, to get and read about and understand. It's how the federal government 
gained control and how the federal government moved the entire education system of the entire country to adopt Common Core. Mm-hmm. All right. So there, there's details of that, that that people can read about in the book. But to learn about AYP is what I felt needed to get out and why it was so important that people understood that school failure was a manipulated and planned agenda. Right. Okay. So the the college that I went to to uh, to earn my doctorate is a a traditionally black college and university. Mm-hmm. So it's it's called Prairie View A and M. It's part of the A and M system, but it's also part of the old black college system mm-hmm. that um, like Grambling, Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. And so they're not too far away from my house. And they were offering a PhD, which I wanted. So I went back and, and I, I, I earned that, had a great education there, had wonderful professors. But a funny thing about it, they, don't, they didn't publish their dissertations. And I found that odd and I inquired about it. And the best answer that I got was that a while back, they had been burned through plagiarism. Mm. And uh, so they, they just made a blanket decision not to publish so if you go in and try to find my dissertation you won't find it mm-hmm. it's not there so that's why i wrote the book is so that people could find out what my dissertation was about right and that was the, the main the main reason and the data that i have in there i did a qualitative study which meant you had to find people to interview mm-hmm. and i i picked on the the districts that were experiencing school failure at the time here in Texas. Right. So there was a, a group in East Austin that was experiencing that because they're a, a mainly Hispanic community and they're very poor. Mm-hmm. And, they, and the accountability system preys on the poor. Right, exactly. And the other one was a uh, almost 100% Black district called North Forest Independent School District. And uh, their whole district was shut down because they couldn't meet AYP. Right. AYP numbers were going up every year. Mm-hmm. And they were going to hit 100%. Right. 100%. People have to get that wrapped around their brain. If they think there's not an agenda involved in education. Exactly. AYP requirements, adequate yearly progress in every subgroup of your population had to hit perfect right. <laughs> by 2014. Right. That's what No Child Left put in. And that's right. why everyone accepted things, the thing that I very few people talk about, and that was the waiver. Oh, yeah. In order to get the waiver, it was called the flexibility package. Mm-hmm. In order to get the waiver from the federal government, which would take away that mandate of AYP being 100% perfect, then you had to accept certain requirements. Right. Okay? It was a quid pro quo, right? I mean, here we have, you're going to, we'll help you out here, but you're going to have to do these things, right? The government never gives anything away for free. That's right. The strings are always attached to those yeah. monies. Yeah. This was where every state had to adopt Common Core. Right. And they call it different things because Common Core is a loaded gun. Exactly. Yes, they rebrand. Education's great about rebranding. Once, once the public catches on to the fact that an initiative may not be so good, then they just rename it something else. <laughs> and it's basically the same thing. Right. Exactly. Um, 
this, this was my contribution to the field of work. Okay. The body of work that all the uh, people who fight the, the uh, behemoth of public education uh, and the, and the, the agenda that, that goes along with it, uh, everybody contributes their own part of that. Right. And then we put it all together for a whole and we can understand it and deal with it. Well, this was my contribution to that. And, and where can people find your book? Triple uh, W, uh, A, P, A is in Alvin, P is in Patrick, A, P, Huff.com, H-U-F-F. Fantastic. Now, you gave testimony on charter school accountability in Texas. I actually saw a clip of that. What do you want, what do you need for people to understand or want people to understand about charter schools, Dr. Huff? Okay, charter schools are public schools. Well, yes. We have to keep that in mind. But they're also private. Right. So they're public-private partnership. Mm-hmm. And this is where so much of the uh, everything is moving towards. Yes. Public-private partnerships, especially anything that has to do with any, any type of taxation right. uh, that, would be, that would be considered public is being taken over by private. And so they, they're public-private partnerships, PPP. The the charter school, okay, now, they still have to take everything that the public schools do. Right. The, 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 the testing is still there, but the stakeholders with charter schools make their money on how well that charter school is doing. And so the people who, who, own, who own it, who pay the faculty, who pay for all the materials, who invest in the outcomes of those kids, then they have a, a, a big investment in that charter school. So the pressure that is put upon the management of that charter school is great. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, the, the drilling kill is going to be even, uh, I would think sometimes greater mm-hmm. than we find in, in the traditional public school. Yes. And, and I see a lot, you know, one, one huge issue with charter schools, you know, is the fact that they appoint their own board. So they're not elected. So, yes. So then you have the public who, who is still funding these schools through their tax dollars. They have no representation because it is taxation without representation. And who was the first one that discovered that and brought that to the public's attention? Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Charlotte is a beat. God bless her, rest in peace, drill that into her audience all the time. Right. They called it, she called it a Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we all credit Charlotte. We all stand on Charlotte's shoulders. Yes, absolutely. She was, she was the best researcher ever. There were others at the time as well, but Charlotte, you know, put it all into her book, uh, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. And she saw it firsthand from the Reagan administration. She was a, an assistant secretary of education. And when she saw where the nation was going with education, she program that was being implemented on the books to be scheduled called Project Best. Mm-hmm. And uh, she exposed that. It was, it was BEST was a, the acronym for Better Education Through Skills and Technology. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. Yes, we are. I mean, people have, I've heard rumblings of, 
you know, those that stand on these school choice agendas, they think that or, or they assume that what Charlotte did in her work is dated or, you know, is not relevant today. But it very much is so because everything she predicted is now coming to fruition. And we see this. And school choice is definitely a Trojan horse because it's ushering in an agenda, the globalization of education. And a lot of people don't really understand the nefarious roots of any of these things. And and again, we're seeing all of this coming to fruition today. So she definitely did issue a warning that fell on deaf ears. And now we're seeing the result of that today. Right. Exactly. Well, Dr. Huff, I really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Wonderful words of wisdom here. I want to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring tonight's show. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area and you have storage needs, reach out to Safe Storage. They can take care of you. You can find them at safestoragetn.com. Also, I will have all of Dr. Huff's information where you can find him over on my Free Your Children page when this interview airs. And I want to leave you with this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Matthew 6, 1. We love you here at WXRQ, but remember, Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless. Good night and God bless.